All right, cool. Well, today, uh, before we pray, just to give you a little bit of an intro, we're going to be talking about uh, the spirit of passivity, um, which in a lot of circles is called the spirit of Ahab. But I have simplified it because really all Ahab was was passive um, when it came to the grand scheme of things, especially when it came to the scheme of how God set up marriage and godly order and how it was supposed to be. Um, the reason we're going to be talking about this tonight, to be completely honest with you, uh, Matt and Savannah were originally supposed to teach tonight on false burden bearing and what it was and how to overcome it. They will be teaching on that next week. However, they both had uh, engagements this weekend. Uh, Savannah is in Chicago for Woo-hoo! an art school thing. And then um, Matt is with one of our sister groups out in Fancy Gap called Hillsville. If you guys want to know more about that, the identitynetwork.com has been launched this week, and it's super cool. Go check it out. Um, so uh, he's helping them out with some stuff. So this week is kind of a filler week, quote-unquote. But as I was praying about it, I mean, I had a lot of things on my mind. I was thinking about double-mindedness, teaching on that. I was thinking about opening up the covenant thing again, specifically talking about the marriage covenant. Um because I know there, there's quite a few people here who are, like, getting really, you know, close. And, uh, awesome. yeah. and that's, that's really cool. And I want to encourage Wait, you guys in that. Who? <laughs> you know? Um, so, I didn't mean that towards any, any particular couple. I was just saying. Anyways, besides the point. Uh, but as I was praying about it, one of the things that the Lord showed me was that we have some people in the group that talk about passivity and feeling like they're being attacked by a spirit of passivity, and they kind of dumb it down to mean laziness, which is an aspect of passivity. However, there's so much more that goes into a spirit of passivity and how it, how it affects us when it latches onto us that I want to talk about. And then the other thing, too, is that um, when it comes to our community, when it comes to reaching out to people, we can't be passive. And what I mean by that is we can't wait. If we're going to be the spiritual one in the relationship, which we should all seek to be the spiritual one, right? It's, in the Bible it says um, that we should seek to outdo each other in honor. So what that means is if we're going to seek to outdo each other in honor, that means we're going to seek to be the spiritual one in the relationship. Not more spiritual like, oh man, Josiah. I'm so much more spiritual than you. Check out all these this list of visions and things I've got. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, uh, if I'm going to be the more spiritual one and hold myself up to that standard of being spiritual, then I have to say, if I want relationship, I can't wait for it to come to me. I have to overcome that passivity and reach out. We can't make excuses for why we aren't reaching out to each other. Does that make sense? That's, that's, that's like a very small portion of what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into it. i got a lot to talk about. i got a lot of really awesome quotes that you guys are going to love because I'm all about this quote thing now. now that Matt and Savannah have started me on it. I can't stop. Um, I've seen them earlier. It was hilarious. Yeah. So you came in the office when I, I came in to like look up some of the quotes and like write them down because I was like, I forgot to add them to my teaching. And then I realized... What am I doing? My computer's in front of me. I can just copy and paste and make this so quick. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into it. Uh, Abba, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and I thank you so much that we are not passivity. I thank you that we are separated from that, that we have the ability to overcome it. Um, 
by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I thank you that we're just going to shine a light on this thing tonight, <clears throat> pin it down by the finger of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then after we've pinned it down enough and poked it and prodded it enough, we're just going to flick it and get it away. It's going to be great. Um, I thank you for your power. And thank you for just backing us up on this tonight. And thank you for what your word says about overcoming passivity. We just give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Hamin. Alright, cool. So, passivity defined. This is really, like, really dumbed down definition, I'll be honest with you. I was hoping for something a little bit more extravagant. But passivity defined is uh, to not visibly react to something that is expected. So it's literally just, if I'm being passive about something because Nathan is looking so intently at me and I say something shocking and he doesn't react and doesn't have a facial reaction, that's a form of passivity, right? Um, The thing about passivity is that it is a form of control. Uh, The spirit of Jezebel (laughs) is a spirit of manipulation and it will use whatever it can to manipulate you. The spirit of Ahab is a spirit of passivity that will control you through essentially putting you in a spiritual slumber. Okay? Um, And it will, not only that, once it controls you, it will seek to control other people with an attitude of, well, I just don't care. You can talk to me all you want. That's fine. It's okay. I'll keep this up. Yeah. You guys ever encountered anybody like that? And you feel darn right awful talking to them, right? Like, yeah. like you're not worth their time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I <laughs> so, here's the thing about the spirit of passivity. Passivity is not a passive spirit. It deceives people into not having deep relationships with those you need to have a relationship with. It keeps you in your head rather than acting out in faith. The root, and this is a big one, okay? Because <laughs> you might be thinking, well, <laughs> haven't done any sins today, Lord. Well, you haven't gotten out of bed. The root of passivity is rebellion. Passivity is rebellion to God's word and what he intended man to be. If we look at James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, To him it is sin. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So if you know to do good in a situation, and you do not do it, you're still sinning. The thing about passivity in this spirit is that it has nothing to do with personality. It has nothing to do with personality types, but it will change you. If you partner with the Spirit enough, if you say yes to it enough, it will get into your DNA and it will start to change things. God never intended anyone to be quiet and passive. What you deem as your personality may not be you and you may need a makeover. If you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God and God has an opinion about everything, no matter how small it is, then why don't you? And I'm not saying we get nitpicky and that we can't change our opinion. I'm not saying that we have to have our way all of the time. What I'm saying is, if you don't have an opinion about something, 
it's likely that the spirit of passivity is leading you away from it. Because that thing you don't have an opinion about is probably something that means more to the kingdom, to, to building the kingdom than you realize. The other thing is that if a spirit of passivity has come over you and won't allow you to have an opinion, then are you really free? God set you free to have an opinion. Granted, his opi- your opinion should be based on His Word, first and foremost, okay? But for the little things, like your favorite ice cream, shoot, dude, it could be like your top three ice creams. However, you still have like a top three, right? You still made that choice. Your favorite food, mine's tacos. I love tacos. Let me tell you, no one will take that opinion away from me. Right? <laughs> I love coffee, not because it's the hipster thing to do. I loved coffee since I was eight years old and my grandma let me have a sip. That was the most hipster thing you ever said. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed you some quotes from passivity. This is really cool because when I looked this up, uh, quotes on passivity, I found more biblical, like, not biblical, but more... Uh, Godly inspired quotes about passivity than I did accusation, which I thought was really crazy. Um, God has mentioned a lot in these. So, uh, passivity is the same as defending injustice. Deepak Chopra said that. Peace. Get this one. This is a big one. Because the other thing that passivity does, and we'll get to this, but passivity robs you of your peace and gives you a false peace so that you can't do anything, right? Well, and I'll explain that in a little bit, but keep that in mind as I, as I give you this next one. Peace has to be created in order to be ma- maintained. It is the product of faith, strength, energy, will, sympathy, justice, imagination, and the triumph of principle. It will never be achieved by passivity and quietism. Dorothy Thompson said that. Mm. Passivity is fatal to us, and our goal is, ma- is to make the enemy passive. Uh, Mayo Zedong said that. Um, Zedong. I'm probably butchering that. It is very clearly some sort of Asian name that I cannot pronounce correctly, and that's okay. A man who, pro- pro- a man who procrastinates in his choosing will inevitably have his choice made for him by circumstance. Hunter S. Thompson said that. A man who procrastinates in his choosing will inevitably have his choice made for him by circumstance. Alright, I like this one. Are you ready for this one? Declare war on passivity. Hush the inner voice that insists you're over the hill, past your prime, unworthy of attaining those dreams. Disbelief is now the enemy, as is the notion of setting, settling. Get hungry, hyena hungry. Get fired up. Find your backbone and your wings. Flap them. It's the only way you'll be able to fly. J.C. Hutchins said that. Big Daddy JC in the spook. Uh, 
Of all the judgments you make in this life, none is as important as the one you make about yourself. The difference between low self-esteem and high self-esteem is the difference between passivity and action, between failure and success. Nathaniel Brandon said that. Wasn't that a good one? Bullies may be the perpetuators of evil, but it is the evil of passivity of all of those who know what is happening and never intervene that perpetuates such abuse. Mm-hmm. Philip Zimbardo said that. The threat today is not passivity, but sado action. The urge to be active, quote unquote, and to quote unquote participate to mask the nothingness of what goes on. Wow. Zlovak Z- Zizek said that. It's got to be from Norway or something. It's my boy. Learning is more effective when it is an active rather than a passive process. Kurt Lewin. We are not brought by faith into the realm of passivity, but rather we are brought into the realm of diligent activity. Alistair Begg. Dirt? You say dirt bag? No. Oh my gosh. Alistair Begg. On the recording forever. Communion with God does not imply turning off your mind, but turning it on to be renewed in our minds. We're to love God with all of our mind as well as our heart. So true communion with God empowers hard work with the Bible rather than bypassing work in favor of pure passivity. Vern Polythress said that. I love you. Dude, they're so... Anyway. We are hurtling towards... This This is a really great one. These last two. These last two are some of my favorites. Uh, we are hurtling towards self-destruction at an alarming rate. Thanks chiefly to an advertising and propaganda system that goads people from infancy towards apathy, isolation, passivity, helplessness, and separation. Man. This is my favorite one. That one was uh, Noam Chomsky. This one is by Watchman Nee. And if you've ever, if you've oh, never read any of his books, yeah. you should. Watchman Nee. This last one says the particular sin of omission, which gives ground to the evil spirits. The particular sin of omission, which gives ground to the evil spirits, is the believer's passivity. Yeah. It's a big deal. So, let's talk about passivity's goals, shall we? Because it's one thing to have all these awesome quotes, and you're just like, man, this sounds like straight fire. But until you actually understand what passivity's trying to do to you, these quotes mean nothing. And they might sound great and, like, deep, but what do they actually mean? (laughs) So, passivity's goals. Um... Do you guys want to go ahead and start pulling out your Bible so I can pass out verses in a little bit? That'd be great. Anybody needs one? I got 
So the the prime goal of passivity. Boy, get your mama a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Listen, listen, listen. Passivity's primary goal is to be in the little things. It's the little things that passivity ignores that causes a war between yourself, yourself and God, and yourself and others. It's those little things, man. Uh, Derek Prince, who's one of my favorite theologians, says that every choice you make is as important as the last Mm -hmm. because every choice you make sets up your circumstances. Mm -hmm. Your circumstances should never define you, but you should always define them. However, when a spirit of passivity is alive and well within your being, you will always be defined by our circumstances because you won't actually take responsibility and do anything. So, to take on passivity, we must focus on fixing our relationship with God first. And oftentimes, without emotions attached, but always by faith, so that our hearts become soft. Your emotions are great things. However, it's your emotions that may have made you passive to begin with. So maybe it's time to stop listening to them. Well, I just feel this way and I can't do it. Well, let me tell you, every feeling that you have is based first and foremost medically, psychologically, and scientifically on a thought that has passed through your brain. There are over 150,000 thoughts that pass through your brain a day. Most of them you will miss. However, all of them will produce some sort of emotion in your life. The ones you focus on and bring to the surface will define who you are. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he becomes. And that is that is not me like attacking people with... Um, Mental illness, there are, the enemy is out there hitting us with a lot of mental illness. What's the uh, verse for that one? It's in Proverbs, I don't remember exactly which one it is. Um, Matthew 22, verse 37 says, And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and, and with all of your mind. If we don't start by getting right and becoming active in our relationship with God, first and foremost, our relationship with ourself and our relationship with others will always be defined by passivity. Mm. All right? Um, The thing about your emotions, besides the whole thought pattern thing, is that they're second rate to the Spirit of God. Mm. God will give you what you need if you're willing to try again and become a better person. But you have to be open and honest when you're struggling. If you're not, that's pride. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, brother, I just got to faith it, so I got to keep speaking positive. You're right. But if you never admit to what is wrong, Mm -hmm. God can never fix it so it becomes right. So the power that you're using with your words, even though you keep speaking positively over your situation through faith, 
you're really just Febreze in the trash can because you never got rid of the problem in the first place. Um, who wants to read for me? Josiah does. James 4, verse 10. Uh, and then, Kate, do you want to read 1 Peter 5, 6? Josiah, whenever you're ready, man, go for it. No problem. You said verse 10? Yep, chapter 4, verse 10. Okay. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Mm, it's a good one. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Passivity will not allow you to humble yourself. You'll always sit. Humbling yourself is an active thing. And later on in that chapter, James says, if you don't humble yourself, the hand of God will come against you. And I know a lot of times we're like, oh man, the devil's really coming after me today. Maybe, or maybe you're hitting the hand of God and he's blocking your way because you won't humble yourself because you're in passivity and you're in rebellion. Passivity is rebellion. 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. It's good. Humility. I like it. Um, here's the thing. Sometimes you have to faith it, quote-unquote, before you make it. It may feel like you're faking it for a little while, but if your heart wants what God wants, your faith will make it happen. Okay? Yes. And this goes back to what we were talking about before. You can't just fake it until you make it if you don't admit that nothing's wrong. You have to be humble enough to say, God, I'm poor in spirit and I need help. Right? Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God and those who believe He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So if you're seeking after him actively and getting out of this passivity, he will always meet you. It's just not always going to look like what you want it to look like because you're not God. He is. He knows you better than you do. So he's going to set up circumstances if you let him and if you're if you're humble enough to break you out of things and get you uncomfortable. Right? Um, Jesus is our husband. This is a big deal. He is our bridegroom. Um, this teaching specifically about passivity, the number one, if you're in a marriage, the number one person passivity is going to go after is the man. Mm-hmm. It is the husband. For those of you girls who are in relationships, let's just do it. Show of hands right now. What aggravates you, like, how often do you get aggravated when you ask your husband to do something or he says he's going to do something and then he doesn't do it? How aggravating is that? Raise your hand. You guys ever felt that way? Wow. And oftentimes when that happens, you feel like your husband isn't a man of his word, which means he's not really going to protect you and love you and honor you the way that he said he would when he read you his vows. This is a big deal. This is why the spirit attacked Ahab specifically when it came to that relationship in the Old Testament with Jezebel and Ahab. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, who wants to read for me? Raise your hand. Anybody? Uh, Ariel has not read yet. Go to Isaiah 54, verses five, 4 through 5. Uh, 
Chelsea, in a little bit, I'm going to have you read 2 Corinthians 4.13. Nathan, go to Psalm 18.6. Actually, Nathan, go to John 14.15. Yeah. Um, Isaiah 54, verses 4 through 5. Ariel, go ahead. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. All right. Um, as a man, I will say this. In the kingdom of God, there are no daughters, there are only sons, because sons get the inheritance. So ladies, you are a son now. And for us men, <laughs> for, for us men, there are no husbands, there are only brides. Yep. And so, until you are ready and fully prepared to be the bride of Christ, and I will say this because this is something that was in my heart a long, long time ago, that I had to, I I had to get myself to a place of faith to accept. I was never ready to be married until I had fully accepted that I was a bride of Christ. Because the way that God empowers me is the way I have to empower my wife. Mm -hmm. My entire life is supposed to be built around responding to my bridegroom, which is Jesus. And you'll notice this when you get married. Kate and I have been through this quite a bit. If a big situation comes up and I don't take the lead initially and at least say, honey, we're going to figure this out. Let me pray about it. She goes into fear mode because that spirit is right there to attack her and doesn't know what to do because she doesn't know how to respond to my leadership. And that's a bad thing because then you come into ungodly order and it all goes to chaos, right? So as brides, I'm talking specifically to us men, right? As brides, we are to respond to our husband's love. If we are not responding, then we are being passive. And if we aren't obeying his voice and seeking his presence, then we are being passive. The first step to breaking free is to become active in our responding love and pursuit of Jesus Christ. Amen. John 14, verse 5. I mean, John 14, 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Very simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love God? Keep His commandments. One of His commandments is, draw closer to me and I will draw closer to you. (laughs) He already did His part of the pursuing. It's your job now. Respond, right? It will make your wives feel safer to know that you are responding and hearing from the Lord. I can tell you that from experience. No, no, they're not one flesh yet. Does not count. She will. She well. 
she will appreciate that. That's right. She will. She will. Sorry, guys. All right, hear me out. Hear me out. If you're dating, if you're if you're dating, your girlfriend will appreciate what she sees. However, because you are not one flesh, the same spiritual stuff will not attack. No. Yeah, you're because, not, you're not because yeah, you're not her covering. You're not leaving her uncovered. Yeah. It's a good, strong basis to build off of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. So, here's the thing about passivity. Passivity keeps you from being who you are, who you want to be, who you need to be, and who God says you are. Passivity keeps you from connecting to the depths of your own heart. This is a huge deal. All right. Have you guys ever been in a conversation with somebody and it's like they're talking a mile a minute but they're not actually saying anything? That's passivity. I'm not saying that we have to jump in the deep talks all the time. There's a time and place for deep conversations and getting to know someone. However, if you're just covering up the silence with noise... Because you don't even know how you really feel. You probably got passivity working in your life. Because your head and your heart aren't connecting. So you're not really saying anything that matters. And there's a difference between remaining remaining quiet in order to wait for the right time to speak. Or remaining quiet because you got nothing good to say. Versus being in passivity. Your words form worlds. And if you're not using them the right way, they will cause destruction. Right? That's so muddle. (laughs) Passivity will tempt you... Here's the thing. Passivity will tempt you to shove everything under the rug so you don't have to deal with it. If I don't talk about it, then it didn't happen and it didn't affect me. Right? I don't talk about it, it didn't happen and it didn't affect me. If I don't talk about it, it didn't happen and it didn't affect me. Passivity will put you in a five-step program to keep you trapped. It will first put you in denial. Then it will put you in avoidance. Then it will put you in disbelief. And then dishonor. And then finally, hopelessness. It partners very strongly, has a very strong partnership with self pity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Passivity will make you feel like there's too much to do and not enough time. But that's simply not true. Because in Ephesians, it says that God will redeem your time, and God is only asking you to take one step at a time. That's why He doesn't give you His whole plan for your life all at once, He doesn't want to overwhelm you. He just wants you to take that one step of faith. Baby steps make a big difference, and they're cute. So when you take those baby steps with the Lord, you're really just looking like your father, right? Be imitators of God, your father. What are you doing? I'm overcoming passivity. How? By taking baby steps. Why? Well, I just want to look like my dad, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Do it. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. 
<laughs> Passivity will keep you from speaking out in faith when you need to. It's a big deal. Uh, this is this is one of my favorite ones because this is the one that used to trap me. This is this man. Mm, now I feel so overwhelmed. Passivity will keep you busy so that you don't have to talk about the important things in your life. It likes to cover itself up with buzz. All this noise, but no depth to what you're actually saying. All this activity, but no real effect in anything that you do in your life. Right? Kind of run from your problems, too. Yep. Uh, Psalm 18, verse 6. Who wants to read that one for me? Raise your hand, Josiah. <laughs> Not for this teaching. I didn't look any of these verses up in the Passion, so I, I'm not going to throw that out there. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to God, or to my God, for help. He heard me from His sanctuary. My cry to Him reached His ears. The thing about passivity is that it keeps you from crying out to God. In order to overcome passivity, we have to put our prayer life on speakerphone. Speakerphone lets you see and hear what's going on in your head, and it takes away non-responsiveness. There are times where things are going on, and I'm so caught up in my thought life, that I'm making all kinds of weird facial expressions and Kate clearly sees that something's wrong, but I'm not talking about it. And then those spirits get to come attacking her because I'm not talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I have to physically like make myself talk about everything that's going on in my head, even if it's negative. Because when the head of the family is speaking, the enemy can't. He might be able to speak through me, but if I know how to process my thoughts the right way as they're coming out and just say, hey, this is not an attack on you or anyone else that we know. This is just what's been going on in my head. Let me talk this out. Then it puts her at ease because she knows what is wrong and what isn't wrong. Mm -hmm. And as my helpmate, and the word helpmate means one who surrounds in the Old Testament, right? Mm -hmm. She can surround me as an army would. And help me battle the thoughts that are going on in my own head mm-hmm. as I'm covering her and having that godly order happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it takes with it takes me starting it. <clears throat> I have to be the example for my family. Mm-hmm. Because I'm the king and priest of my household. Right? Passivity affects relationships, especially between a man and a woman or a husband and a wife. Adam was with Eve when the serpent came to tempt them, but said and did nothing. That's right. Passivity is the number one cause for ungodly order in the home. So let's just go all the way back to Genesis 3 for a second. Do you know why Adam gets blamed in the Bible and Eve doesn't, even though a lot of weird people like to blame Eve? It wasn't Eve's fault. You know that? 
So we're going to skip the whole temptation in the garden, right? There's, there's one verse I want you to look at. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat. Did eat, right? There's a second part of that verse I'm going to get to. But she ate it, and it stops, and nothing happened. Oh. And uh-huh. gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Very next verse, verse 7. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Well, the other thing too, all right, so get this, right? We can go back to Genesis 2. Let's go back to Genesis 2 for a second. I want to show you guys something else. Something else, all right? Chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it up and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you shall eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. I want you to take note of something here. Eve was never around when this commandment was given. So how could it possibly be her responsibility to enforce it? That's good. Sin entered because it was Adam's responsibility to walk out this commandment. This commandment was never given to Eve. I would like to propose to you that Eve could have eaten of that tree all she wanted to and nothing would have happened as long as Adam stayed obedient. Here's the thing. We'll go even further with this. If you study today's societies, 90% of everyone who is in jail either didn't have a father in their lives or was abused by their fathers in some way, shape, or form. Why is that? You take out the man, the head of the family, Right? Let's look at it from a purely physical standpoint. If I chop your head off, what's going to happen? I'm going to heaven. <laughs> That's one way to look at it, Josiah. <laughs> I appreciate your <laughs> And I like, okay, so here's the thing there's a huge role for women in the kingdom of God. Kate has an amazing teaching on it. I'll let her give it. We'll, we'll do it at some point. I'm not going to let her. I'm going to encourage her to give it because God encourages me to teach. It's my job to encourage her when she has a great message, which she did a couple weeks ago, celebrating in the body of Christ. It was a great, it was hot fire, right? If God encourages me and my dreams and my goals and my passions, then it's my job to overcome passivity and encourage her, right? So... I'll let her do that because I don't know enough about it. I just know my role as a husband. That's, what, that's my focus, right? Um, but this is a big deal. When you put your thoughts on speakerphone, it creates godly order in the home because the father is interacting with the family and this shuts down the voice of the enemy. If the father's heart is after God's and he isn't listening to the enemy, then every word that comes out of his mouth will create life in the family. However, if he is under the influence of the family, like for instance, abuse, 
abusive fathers will completely destroy family. They will, because they're under the influence of the enemy. They're also the maker of the family, too. That's why. The word father means foundation or source. So as a man, we have to be the source of our family. If they are running low on something, we are their wellspring. We are their source that builds them up. And we are their foundation. If everyone else in the family starts to crumble, it is our responsibility to go back to God and be just like Him as a father and be the foundation. Unmovable. Unshakable. I'm sure if you guys have any questions about that, Brian's a great dude to ask and can give you a lot of great wisdom on that. Um, all right passivity the spirit of passivity will make you passive in your love for a people it will force you to focus on the sin instead of separating the person from the sin it stops you from praying for people and causes you to partner with accusation to criticize judge and gossip Passivity will make you, quote-unquote, active, intending to yourself while forgetting about your relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. You need to love your neighbor as yourself, okay? I'm not saying don't tend to yourself. I encourage you, tend to yourself. But intending to yourself, remember, you're tending to yourself so that you can love people better. And if you tending to yourself separates you from people for too long so that you can't love them and you can't be there for them, then you're not really tending to yourself. You're isolating yourself so that you don't have to love people and be in bad situations anymore. But you're supposed to be the light in those bad situations. Uh, who wants to read for me? Corinne, go to Luke 10, 38-42 and read it whenever you're ready. Um, Josiah, go to Matthew 22, verse, verse 38. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 4. James 2. Who are you pointing at? I'm pointing at Jasmine because I like to make her read. I'll do it. Yeah, 22, 38. Uh, James 2, verse 10. Alright. Uh, Corinne, go. What was the first thing? 10? 10, 38 through 42. 38 through 42. Okay. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then let her, or then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mm. Martha was in passivity. She was so active in what she was doing that she forgot about everyone else. The king of the universe was in front of her, and rather than sitting at his feet and waiting be still and know, waiting on the Lord to tell her, all right, it's time for you to serve, serve me and serve others. She assumed and got to work 
See, when we're in passivity, passivity will not allow us to truly get with God to figure out what we're meant to do in life. It will keep us from uh, our hopes and our dreams, and it will keep us from our destiny because we're assuming what the Lord wants us to do rather than hearing what the Lord wants us to do. Does that make sense? I know, here's the thing, my, and almost, my, my ministry started in the music scene. My ministry started in me being a front man for a metal band. So many signs and wonders and miracles broke out at our shows because I was an agent of, of the Lord in those settings. But with all the mistakes that I've made, I know where I'm supposed to go and where I'm supposed to be. And there have been many a time I've tried to get back into the scene and the Lord keeps shutting it down. And I know now that I'm not meant to go back to the scene to minister into the scene. Mm-hmm. I'm meant to minister to the people who are coming out of the scene yeah. and want a stronger relationship with the Lord. Yeah. But that takes their decision, not mine. And so I would be in passivity if I ignored the Lord in that and continued to go out of my way to be at a place that I'm not meant to be. And I love the scene. I love it. However, it's not where I'm called anymore. And I can't be in passivity over that. I can't ignore that. I have to be where I'm called. Right? Um, Passivity will also make you active in tending to others so that you forget to take care of yourself. Right? Matthew 22, verse 38. It's like false burden bearing, too, right? Yeah. Uh, 38 just says, this is the first and greatest commandment. So, do you mean 37? Let me see. Uh-huh. I messed up. It's okay. Uh, 39. Read 39. All of it's good. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the, so the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? How do you know how to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? You can't. The word as there is a connecting word. I heard... Who was it? Was it John Piper? I don't remember. It was a Calvinist preacher talk about... He was talking about how we need to forget about loving ourselves because that's what not what the Bible calls us to do. However, you can't really truly know how to love another person until you've learned how to love yourself and what it's like to be loved. Because you might have a really screwed up idea of what love looks like until someone's loved you properly. If I grew up in an abusive household where my father hit me and then told me he loved me afterwards... I might go out, find myself a good wife, and then beat her crazy and tell her I love her. That's Stockholm Syndrome. That's a messed up version of love. If if my mother, if and this is not, my, neither of my parents did this to me, okay? Disclaimer. Um, but if my mother was verbally abusive and called me every name in the book, and I thought that was love, I would try to find a woman who was verbally abusive that's not love. That's abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When God said love everyone, He loves everyone. 
you're not excluded from that. And so if you do not learn how to accept his love and to love yourself, you're doing yourself a travesty. You can't love people while you're burnt out. You just can't. You don't love them properly. It's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. It's why so many ministers burn out so early. They don't know how to take care of themselves. And it's been a journey for me to learn. Trust me. (laughs) Some people have been through this journey with me. However, (laughs) however, I've gotten really good at it over the past several years, especially since I've had a wife to encourage me in it. That's you, Kate. Um, so that's another that's another sermon topic altogether. Um, Ephesians chapter five, verse four. Who has that for me, Cameron? You had that. Chapter five, verse four. Oh yeah, I did have that. I think you were trying to make Bowen read it, but he left your presence because mm-hmm. I told him to get out of passivity. <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> guard, guard your speech, forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are nonsensical worthless words. Worthless insults. <laughs> Alright, let him, let him read the verse. Let's let him read the verse. Chapter 5, verse 4. Guard your speech, forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are nonsensical words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. Dang boy. Sounds a lot like sarcasm when you put it that way, doesn't it? It's really funny how you were sarcastically saying that you wanted your brother to get out of passivity, and then you read that verse. Yeah. I'll take my lashes. Uh, The thing about passivity is that it likes to partner with accusation and rejection in the form of sarcasm and crude joking. Mm -hmm. You're being passive-aggressive. Who do you think is behind that? Passivity. If you've got something to say, say it. Don't beat around the bush. That's dishonorable. Yeah, your yeah, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm-hmm. Period. Right? Mm-hmm. Passivity keeps you for apo- uh, passivity keeps you from apologizing for the wrongs you've done. Mm-hmm. Right? So here example. If I went up to uh, if Kate came up to me and said, Ronnie, you've been a real butthole lately. <laughs> And you need to stop. And I said, "You're right. I have been." And then I just left it at that. Look, Monica knows. Yeah, you know what? I did it. But if I don't take responsibility for it and apologize and then repent, like truly repent, what do you think that is? Passivity keeps you from repentance. Yep. It keeps you from healthy change. But you did recognize it. I did. Maybe with a little bit of pride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you did recognize it. <laughs> Who's got James 2, verse 10? Who did I give that to? Me. Oops. Me. Go for it. All right. 
For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Mm. Passivity expects more out of other people and less out of itself. Here's a good one. Well, I just can't go to church. They're full of hypocrites. Do you love Jesus? Well, yeah. You know the Bible says to be in fellowship with your believers and do not forsake the fellowship? Well, yeah. Aren't you forsaking the fellowship? Well, yeah. Well, aren't you a hypocrite now? Well, but to have my mom and my dad. <laughs> right? Nope. That's not the same. Blood is only thicker than water when you say the full saying for what it is. And the full expression is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And so if your family is holding you back, get that heck away. Who are you in covenant with? It's okay to have conflict as long as there is an aim of resolution. However, passivity will either not allow conflict in order to restrict growth or it will make people sit in conflict and never find a resolution. This is why we talked about healthy biblical confrontation last week. Right? Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 1. Who wants to read that for me? I got you. You must really miss being here, dude. You're just reading all the Bible verses tonight. Even God's Saturday nights. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Say that. Say that one more time really loud. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Uh, The spirit of passivity does not want to be corrected. It doesn't. And that's an awful thing. And here's here's another big thing. Uh, The spirit of passivity causes lockjaw. And what this means is that you have no opinion on anything. You would rather have silence, especially in the areas considering sin and failure. It causes thoughts to run through your head, but finds no way to express them, which turns into self-hatred and miscommunications. And this leads to a subtle anger about everything. That's why a lot of people, when they, like, you guys have ever been in, in like, a counseling session with me? Some of you have, some of you haven't. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little excerpt right now. You come in and you say, I've got a problem. Okay, what's your problem? Well, I don't know where to start. That's fine. Pick one place. I'm sure we'll make a full circle eventually. I just need you to start talking so I can listen to you and then ask the Holy Spirit what to say and what questions to ask so we can figure it out. But I need you to start talking. Lockjaw, you can almost feel it, mm-hmm. where your jaw tightens up, and you know you got to say something, but you don't quite know what it is, so you start to grit your teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, man, for, this thing runs rampant in my family. It's so bad on my dad's side right now that my dad has to wear a, uh, 
some sort of retainer so that he doesn't grind his teeth at night because it gets so bad because he does it throughout the day and he'll, he'll catch himself doing it but it's gotten so bad because he doesn't know how to how to process things on a spiritual level and get rid of stuff because he's well I won't say that he's not saved he believes in Jesus but it's like a weird gospel and he just it just keeps coming it comes to him throughout all hours and so it's in his sleep now right and he's like, subtle anger. Watch for it. Watch for it, man. That subtle anger where the flick of a switch and just snap. Mm, that's Especially in men, there's some sort of passivity there. They're passive about something in their lives. And it's caused them to do a downward spiral into self-hatred that they have such a hard time getting out of. Because they refuse to attack that area that they're being passive about. I mean, it happens in women too, but personal experience, knowing how the spirit yeah. attacks men specifically. Yeah. Like everything that I'm saying applies to women too. I, just on a personal level and studying it out in the Bible, there's a reason why Ahab was the way that he is. Can you like, knowing if for some of you guys who know the story about Ahab and Jezebel, can you see how all this was in Ahab? It's stupid, right? And I haven't even gotten to the section where I talk about Ahab yet. And we're already an hour into this, so we're just going to keep rolling. Uh, it turns a fighter into a pushover. You won't take responsibility, and you will blame everyone else if you're in passivity. It's always somebody else's fault. But it's your life, right? Well, yeah, but it's always somebody else's fault. Mm, it's your life, right? Who controls your life? Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 10. This is a big one. Man, I'm going to give you a long testament. Well, not long. i got to keep it short because we got to keep going. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 11. Says, in context, all right, before I read this verse, God is talking about the false shepherds who have come to Israel in order to round them up. Remember, these are false shepherds. These aren't the good guys, right? For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. If they were God's shepherds, he would have, they would have healed her wholly, right? But they've only been healed slightly. And then they go and say, peace, peace. But there is no peace. Passivity produces a false peace. Get this. There's nothing going on inside your head. It's quiet inside. False peace makes those with discernment irritated because they sense that something's wrong, but they can't pinpoint it. This in turn stirs up hatred and strife because of the silence. If there's nothing going on up here in your head, you're in passivity. Passivity has lulled you to sleep. Do you know why the Bible talks so much about the mind, renewing the mind, meditating on the things that are good and perfect and holy? It's because your mind is your defense against the enemy. If you blank out, it you lose your defense and the enemy is allowed to say and speak whatever he wants. And you know what? Because passivity is there and you don't know how to have an opinion and you don't know how to speak the word of God out, you agree with everything that comes inside and so you take on everything the enemy's throwing at you. The Lord is a big boy. And if He's going to push you down, He'll do it. But if He does it, 
you're going to get up changed. Something's going to be different. Mm -hmm. If you get pushed down and your mind goes blank, I would like to propose that that is not the Lord. Because your defenses are completely shut off. I've done it. I have. And you know what? I got up bitter and frustrated and angry and I couldn't even tell you why. But when it had been the Lord and He knocked me on my butt, He spoke to my heart and He told me what I was going to do in life and He told me that my hands would be used for healing and deliverance and as He said that, my hands were immediately on fire and that He would use my voice and my mouth to speak His word and then my jaw was on fire. I got up changed radically. But anytime I went down and there wasn't a change and my mind blanked, I did get up changed, but it was for the worse. Or I stayed the same. And God's not in the business of keeping people the same. He's in the He's in the business of growing us. Right? Ignorance is a form of knowledge and silence is a form of communication. So you need to make sure you're communicating properly. Uh, it likes to partner with self-pity and fear, but 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 that says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self, uh, sound mind. Again, mind, right? Mind thing. It likes to partner with a fear of failure, which keeps us in self-loathing. Because we're too afraid to actually try something and make a difference in our lives. Um, passivity produces deaf and dumb spirits. If you look at Mark chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, you will see that this deaf and dumb spirit, I'm not going to read the verses, I'm going to give them to you, uh, 25 and 26, this deaf and dumb spirit made this guy's son appear dead. He was spacing out and was absent-minded. He was not being able to set his priorities correctly. And it brings about a spirit of confusion and disorder. However, 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 33 says that God is not a God of confusion, but a God that does everything decently and in order. Amen. I have a friend who's an excellent musician. And there was a time where he was definitely a Christian. And I confronted him on his passivity. And the passivity had him in such a rut that he couldn't even see it and wouldn't admit to it. And man, it used to make me so angry. And then his whole life got out of order and got really messed up. So uh, I've forgiven him. And I love him to death. Anytime I love him to life, anytime I see him. However, I, I do have a vendetta against this spirit because it's robbed too many men of what is supposed to be ours. It's why, for the most part, you see more women in church than you see men. And it's why when the pastor goes up to someone or a woman on a Sunday morning and asks, well, where's your husband? The woman has no answer. Right? That's real. Um... Passivity keeps you from stirring up the gifts and callings inside of you. It keeps you focused on relying on others to talk to God and pray for you. 2 Timothy 1.6. Let's put this in context, okay? I want to show you guys something. Eventually, we're going to get to talking about the gifts and showing you guys the gifts a lot and giving you 
awesome exercises and prophecy games and really encouraging you guys to do things. Um, but that whole topic about the spirit of fear that everybody loves to quote, right? Because we love to quote it when we're in fear. But have you ever read it in context? Verse 6, 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The context of this verse isn't just fear in and of itself. It's fear of being you and using your gifts. It's fear of connecting with God on a deeper level. At least half of the Western church is in this fear. And don't even want to admit that spiritual gifts work anymore or that they exist. That's passivity. It keeps you from planning for the future because of fear or simply just not caring. Your biggest excuse becomes God will simply take care of it. God can't take care of anything if you're not willing to partner with Him. God gives us a vision for our future and wants us to write it down so that we can co-labor with Him. Proverbs 28 verse 18 says, Happy is he, no it says, I'm sorry, without vision the people perish, but happy is he who keeps the law. Right? And then Habakkuk 2.2 says, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) We're going to keep going on. I don't have a lot of time. It says, uh, write the vision down, make it plain so that all who see it can run with it. If you don't get with God to formulate some kind of vision for your future, you're in passivity. You're missing out. I was talking to Josiah about this today just to encourage you guys, okay? And uh, Annie and Corinne and Nathan, and if Noah was here, he would attest to this too. I got this vision for the Identity Network. Shameless plug. The website's up, by the way. Uh, About five or six years ago, building a community where these house churches that felt like they were stuck and by themselves had a place to go to get resources and fellowship between leaders. Five or six years ago, and it's just now got to a place where I can say in a confident way that it exists, it's out there, here's a way to get the resources. It has taken me five or six years to start fulfilling this plan that God has given me. It may take you five or six years to get to where God wants you. Don't give up. Yeah. Write it down. Make it plain. Talk about it. Yeah. It says, though it will tarry, the vision will tarry, it will come. This has definitely been longer than five or six years. Maybe. It's definitely been seven years. Seven? That's the number of completion. Amen. Whoa. Smile was so big that I dripped coke all over me. Anyway, alright, so that's a great revelation. Now we're going to move on. Uh, Romans 12 2. No, I'm sorry. Romans 12 11. I just love 12 2. 12 11 says. Be not slothful in business, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, That phrasing, slothful in business, means lazy. It means, don't be lazy. So we talked about earlier, passivity is a form of laziness, and that's what people mostly use it as. It's true. It's laziness. Don't be lazy. I mean, 
there, there is a Sabbath day. You, you should take it. Mm-hmm. Get recharged. If you need to spend the day playing video games, I wouldn't recommend that. I'd say like maybe three or four hours and then go do something else before you burn yourself out. <laughs> Speaking from experience. However, if you need to spend four hours playing video games, spend four hours playing video games. If you need to spend four hours binge watching a show with your wife on a Friday night just because you need to finish it and it's a great show until this weird thing happens at the end, then that's totally okay. You can do that. Get your Sabbath in, but don't be lazy. On the days where you need to work, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Passivity likes to make you driven in spurts. You're lazy for a time and then you're active for one main task. And once it's done, you're done. <laughs> Passivity will, will let you do a thing at a time, but it will never allow you to be consistent. Passivity wants control. And to be noticed without taking the initiative. It is a form of intimacy without covenant. God wants freedom and to empower people through acting faith. Galatians 5.1 says that faith works through love. Faith works. You got faith? It produces works. James 2 verses 14 through 26, which we will not read, uh, basically says the same thing. Faith without works is dead. Show me your faith by your works. If you can't, your faith is non-existent. It's just not there. We're going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to talk about Ahab. So we're going to we're going to be in 1 Kings for a little bit. Um I encourage you guys to read about Ahab, because you'll see everything we talked about tonight in this dude. We're going to jump around to highlight a couple different things that go on in this story. Um, Because it's a big deal. Um... So Ahab takes the throne. <laughs> it says in First uh, Kings 16, verse 30, it says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. As if it were a light thing to do. Passivity oftentimes comes as whatever feels good, feels light, or just simply floats your boat. Passivity is easy because it requires no action. But the less you act, the more angry you are with yourself. 
and the more you feel accused by others. Passivity is the path of least resistance and often is what we consider to be our comfort. Let's go to 20. First Kings chapter 20, that is. Um, we're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to give you a little synopsis. I encourage you to read the whole chapter because it's crazy what he does. Essentially, he wants this guy's land so that he can have the crops and build upon it. And this man will not sell him the land. And you know what he does? He goes home and throws a temper tantrum to his wife. And this is a huge temper tantrum, man. I mean, this guy's whining and complaining and going off. And you know what Jezebel does? She goes to this guy's house and slits his throat. And the guy dies. And then Ahab takes the land. Well, technically, she takes it and presents it to him and says, Hey, it's your land now. This is ungodly order at its finest. Because Ahab didn't know how to be a man and accept that he couldn't have something that wasn't his. He broke the commandment, Thou shalt not covet. And then, partnered with self-pity and threw a huge temper tantrum about it. And you know what the wife did? It says... In one of the books of the law, I can't remember where, I want to say Leviticus, but it could honestly be Numbers because they do a lot in that too. It says that if your husband, as a wife, if your husband is in a feud with another man and you go after him and grab his gojones, (laughs) it is required that your hand gets cut off. So not only is he in the wrong by breaking the rule, thou shalt not covet, but she is in the wrong because she did something worse than grabbing his cojones. She slit his throat. (laughs) This teaches him that it's okay to throw a fit when he doesn't get what's his. And how many men nowadays throw fits when they can't get what they want? How many men do we know of? Like, let's just be honest. I'm going to call it for what it is, man. Who are so stuck in passivity that they're not really men. They're just little boys in an adult costume. Say it again. First Kings, uh, chapter 20, verse 43. I want to read you guys something. 43 says, And the king of Israel, who was Ahab, went to his house heavy and displeased. The word heavy there in the Hebrew means rebellious, it means to be stubborn, and it means to be sullen or resentful. Looking at this spirit and the people that you know who struggle with it, or you who struggle with it, when you're in passivity, how often are you rebellious? Well, one, you're rebellious because passivity is rebellion. But two, you're also stubborn because passivity hates correction. And three, you become resentful of everyone else around you. 
Because they're all getting something in their life, but you're not. Well, the problem is that you're not because you're being passive about your life. It's your life. Take control of it. Right? The word displeased in the Hebrew means, I love this, get this. It means out of humor, joyless, and without laughter. (laughs) Uh, Passivity produces a peace that has no joy attached to it. It's that false peace. Peace with negativity towards others or oneself. You can't be at peace if you're not at peace with people or yourself. It doesn't work like that. You're just spacing out. Full of anger and rage towards other people. That's not how you deal with your problems. But there's hope. 1 Kings 21, verse 27 says, And it came to pass, when Ahab heard these words, he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word came to the Lord, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See you... See you how Ahab humbles himself before me? Because he humbles himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Ahab repented. It is possible to repent and get out of passivity. So how do we do that? You have to believe the best about yourself, first and foremost. Let's go to Mark 12, verse 31. I have successfully quoted all three forms of this verse in the New Testament tonight. So I hope you get it. Quoted it once in Matthew, quoted it once in Luke, now we're going to quote it again in Mark. And the second is like it, namely this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. See the best in yourself. Love yourself. Because if you can't, how can you see the best in other people? Passivity won't let you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. I know this has been a little long. We're almost done. What was that again? 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. says, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may win the prize. The thing about life is that it's too too exciting to watch other people run by you. Run your race and run it well. Don't stop to look around at other people. If God tells you to stop and smell the roses, stop and smell the roses. But if you're always paying attention to to another person's race, you'll never actually run your own. Right? Uh, James 1, verse 22. If you want to know how to get out of passivity, just sit in James for a little while. 
says, But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only. For if you're... Excuse me. <laughs> Alright, we're going to start, start over. Uh, but be you doers of the word, and not hearers only. Because if you're a hearer only, you deceive yourself. You, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 4 through 6, it talks about how we need to take our thoughts captive. You can't cast down a thought or an imagination by ignoring it. That's passivity. You need to speak to your thoughts out loud because the devil can't hear your thought life. He only hears your voice. Mm -hmm. You need to do the word and then resist the devil. Passivity will keep you a hearer only and anything you're passive about has the right to stay and rule your life. It's as simple as that. I hear a lot of people quoting um, this verse in James that says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Boy, you just got to resist the devil and flee from you. People told me that a lot. But until I got in the Bible myself, I didn't realize that the first part of that verse, they skip entirely. Mm -hmm. And it says, submit to God, Mm -hmm. resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. Mm -hmm. How do you submit to God? You live by the word of God. Lamentations 3 verse 23, and we'll end on this, says that God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning they're brand new. In our society, in our culture, we celebrate the morning when the sun rises. That's, that's the beginning of a new day for us. However, in ancient Hebrew culture, they celebrated the start of a new day, not when the sun rose, but when the sun set. So I would encourage you in this. There's no better time to start your day over than right now. Passivity will try and keep you in sin so that you can sleep on it. But when you sleep on sin... It becomes a part of you. It warps your DNA. But once you repent, you restart the day and the mercy is new. You can start over and get out of this thing. And you know what? You find a place to start. You you may not get out of it altogether, but you find a place to start. Find that area of your life that you know the Lord has been calling you out of. And into His presence. Start there. Baby steps. Work towards it. And keep working until the rest of your life follows suit. It doesn't have to be a big to-do. You work with the Lord in one area. And the rest of the areas will follow eventually. Don't feel overwhelmed. The enemy is going to try to use passivity to make you feel overwhelmed. So you don't do anything at all. So ignore those voices. Focus on His voice and take the first step He's telling you to and keep stepping after that. That's it. And for us men, specifically, we cannot allow passivity to creep in so that 
it takes us out and creates ungodly order in the home. Ungodly order in the home is the spiritual root to autism. It is the spiritual root to ADD, ADHD. It is the spiritual root to most mental illnesses. Why? Because when you take the head of the family out, the rest of the body crumbles. And as men, if we are the head of the family and the devil takes us out so we cannot cover our wives and our children, they will crumble under the weight of what the enemy is throwing at them. They will. In some area. Our wives may be strong as all get out. I know my wife is strong as all get out and resists in so many areas. However, when I uncover her and I step out of godly order, something eventually goes haywire. And sometimes, well, not in a long time, I'd say probably since the beginning of our marriage. But if I'm out of, if I'm out of order long enough, stuff starts to fall apart big time. And it's bad. All right. So before I pray and I close this out, does anybody have any questions, comments, or concerns? Seems I need a <laughs> <laughs> hey man, now's the time to ask them. Remember, we talked about thoughts on speakerphone. If you're not comfortable asking them now and you want a private setting, that's one thing. Okay. So, can you elaborate more on, like, because you were saying that for dating relationships, yeah. it's different. Yeah, so, it's different. Like, the spirit, like, the passivity is going to come down from fathers of the family. Yeah. But can you elaborate more a little bit on that? Just because, like, I've seen if I'm passive in my relationship with Monica, that things happen. I've seen sure. stuff like negative things happen. So, okay. Um, Obviously, it's not the same, but can you just elaborate a little more? Yeah, so like in your example, you're being passive about the relationship you guys have. Mm -hmm. However, in a marriage, I could be completely pursuing Kate, but be completely out of godly order when it comes to my relationship with the Father. Mm -hmm. And just because I'm pursuing her, which has happened. and Man, there have been times when we were dating where I pursued her hard, completely forgot about God. And I myself, not us as a couple... Because we stayed pure until marriage, like, praise God. Um, But me as a person, I became so dependent. I mean, there was a time period where for the month of August, for the the year before we actually got engaged and got married, where we took a a break for an entire month. And a lot of people didn't know about it. Um, But it was because I was pursuing her and she was pursuing me to the point to where I just forgot about being with with Jesus. I forgot about being with Dad. I forgot about being with the Holy Spirit. And I became dependent and codependent on her love. And she was my source. And she's never supposed to be my source. God is my source. And I'm the source for my family. So, like, in that example, like, sure, like, with, with your guys' relationship, if you're not pursuing her, yeah, things are going to go haywire because, well, you're not pursuing her. But that doesn't necessarily count to anything as far as ungodly order goes. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right? Because Kate was okay in so many different areas as we were pursuing each other because she was also pursuing God. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I fell apart because of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. And in that month break, and she'll tell you this, like, she 
she wasn't okay for a little while because I wasn't pursuing her. But that's completely different as far as godly order goes in a marriage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that answer your question, or are you looking for... No, that actually okay. makes a lot of sense. And, and the same goes for like engagement, too. Right. Because until the covenant is signed, right. until you are one flesh, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Going to effect. Yeah. Yeah. So, now, if you recognize that he's in passivity, because we talked about you know, conflict last week, that's still a conflict in your relationship, so you can approach him in that, saying, hey, I've noticed you're not yourself recently. Would you mind if we talk about it for a minute? Because if you don't, then oh my gosh, it's not a good time. Right. Yeah. Because they're not attacks. Yes, yes. And, and, and you will probably be the first one to recognize him being passive. Yeah. Because of the relationship you have. Mm-hmm. And making sure that we're doing that healthy biblical conversation that we talked about last week is really important because passivity is going to want to stay stubborn and not admit that it's there and not come out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Joey? Um, can you elaborate on the connection between passivity and how that can often relate to having difficulty hearing from God? Yeah. Um, so again, the main thing that passivity does is it tries to take out the head. And where do you hear? An appendage on your head. Yeah. Um, so the best way to come out of passivity when it comes to hearing from God is to stop being passive and start reading your Bible. If you can't hear from the Spirit of God on a matter in your life, it's because you haven't trained yourself to hear His voice because you don't know His Word. If you can't hear His Spirit and you feel like His Spirit is not speaking to you, He's still speaking. He's just looking for your pursuit. And we pursue Him by getting in the Word. God never stops speaking to us. If you want to know the will of God for your life, it's in here. Find it. Right? Like, and, and the other thing too is that like, you know, when it comes to the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying... If, if you're talking to him and he's not talking back, start talking about things that he likes to talk about. Because you might be jumping way too far ahead for him to tell you anything. Because if you jumped that far ahead, you'd freak out and the worst thing would come upon you. You know, when God led Israel into the promised land, he said, I had to let the enemy occupy this place so that something worse didn't happen to it. You know? Um, and it is possible that if God showed you the complete promised land before you were ready for it, something worse would happen to you because you haven't fought the enemies that are in your way keeping you out of the promised land yet. And so when talking to him, go into the conversation talking to him about things that he wants to talk about. The will of the perfect will of God for your life is in the is in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and it says to be thankful in all things, for this is the perfect will of God for your life. If you want to start talking to God about what He wants to talk about, go to Him, enter His gate, enter enter His courts with, courts thanks- with thanksgiving and His gates with praise. Go to Him with thanksgiving. Throw a thankfulness party. Yep. All the time, man. All the time. If you're thankful in all all things, you will never miss the sound of His voice. 
It is when we fall into passivity and we stop being thankful and we get into self-pity that we stop hearing His voice. And it's when we, we feel like we're in rejection and God's rejecting us that, you know, we stop hearing from Him too. And, and rejection is a big part of uh, what passivity likes to partner with as well. And so, like, when it comes to hearing God's voice, always, always, always read your Bible. Because it's possible that something else is speaking to you too, but because you don't know your Bible, you're listening to that something else like it's God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. God the Father never, ever, ever, ever refers to Himself as a mother. And I'm not saying that that is beyond the realm of possibilities for who God is and what He can do because women are made from God as well in His image and in His likeness. And God is a big boy and can do whatever He wants. However, scripturally speaking, if the Holy Spirit or Jesus or God ever came to me and said, I'm a woman, worship me as if you were worshiping a woman, I would tell that spirit to leave me the heck alone because that contradicts all of Scripture. All of it. And that's a big misconception in a lot of the parts of the church right now. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? It sufficiently answers my question. Cool. Yeah. I would also recommend if you have a hard time reading, because, I mean, you may end up having like an unloving spirit and the word is love, so unloving, not being able to read the word. If you want to actually just listen to it yeah. as well, because there are many different Bible apps that will read out loud to you. Um, you may end up with the King James Version, which is also fine. Um, but at least your spirit starts hearing it. And as your spirit starts hearing it, your soul will start hearing it. Yeah. Your body will start hearing it. Yeah. Be active in your, in your pursuit of the Word. Like one of the things that I do at work when my... Well, not this week because it was my first week at a new job. But when I was in the warehouse, one of the things I would do is I would put my headphones in. And the best Bible, like audio Bible there is, is James Earl Jones reading the New Testament. And it's it's King James, so it's all in there. And you're not missing a thing. Nobody's taking anything out. And I would just sit for hours and just listen to it. Because, man, Darth Vader reading me the Bible is the best thing in the world. Um, yeah, I, I knew him as Darth Vader before Mufasa came. Okay. It is Darth Vader. Yeah. I listen to it when I'm driving. That's just an easy way for me to, to yeah. listen to the word. Yeah. You've got a whole 35-minute commute from Peter's visit. <laughs> Assuming there's no traffic. So, uh, any more questions before I close out? Is TMJ like a form of lockjaw? What what is TMJ? TMJ is when your jaw like tightens up and pops out of place. Yes. Yes. I used to have that. I don't know what it stands for, but yeah. I used to have that when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. Man, I don't have that anymore. No. Look at you, boo boo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um. So if you're not living in your parents' house, but your father has passivity, does that still affect you? Yes and no. Okay. It is iniquity, so it is passed down. However, because you're not in his house anymore, you now have the opportunity to overcome it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if you were living in his house, <laughs> you could get rid of the generational stuff that might be inside of you. Mm-hmm. However, he's still your covering when you're living in his house. So you just go home to it. It's a familiar spirit that hangs out there. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's one of my biggest battles whenever I go home because my dad, the only way he feels like he can love my family anymore is by serving them because he feels so useless in so many other areas. Right? And uh, ungodly order in the home is actually the, the number one reason why men get heart disease later on in life as well um, because there's resentment because he feels like he can't take care of the family. My dad has heart disease. And uh, so the only way he feels like he can take care of the family anymore is by serving us. So when I go back to my house, my dad wants to do everything for me. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. To the point to where, like, I mean, I wasn't allowed to wash my clothes or learn how to wash my own clothes when I lived at my parents' house. I had, to, I had to learn that when I moved out. He would let me cook some things, but most of the cooking that I learned when I, when I lived at my parents' house was when my dad was not at the house, which was very rarely because I was homeschooled, you know. So, like, I was always underneath it. Whenever I go home, there's still, like, because he still is the covering and because it is a familiar spirit, there is that battle there. And Kate knows because I'll get frustrated. We'll leave the house and I'm just frustrated and I don't know why. And I'm just like trying to fight things off and figure things out. And a lot of it's. Oh, and then the ride back is your parties. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. It's just those familiar spirits again. They just get me so frustrated. And I just admit it out loud, and then they just they stop because I never I never took them back on, but I knew they were there. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So. That, that yeah. Is that not something you can repair yourself before walking into the Oh, situation? absolutely. You can, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Because I know for me, anytime I go home, the same thing will try to happen. But Ronnie has even seen differences in me personally from when we first started dating to where we're at now. And how when I would go home, oh my gosh, it would be terrible. But yeah. now anytime I go and visit my family, I am ready to go. My armor is on and I am ready. And they can say and do whatever they want. And it's not coming with me anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So. That explains it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you can prepare yourself. Um, there, there will almost always, not all the time, but almost always be a battle though. So, prepare yourself, um, but have mercy for yourself too if you give in. You know? And admit when you're wrong, because it's no big deal. Like, seriously. Jesus died and bore all the sin of the world on his shoulders as he died. Past, present, future for everyone. There is grace and mercy for the sin that you commit tomorrow. Don't beat yourself up, but also don't fall into passivity. Make sure you like repent and get back on the horse. It's no big deal. If the shoe fits, remember you don't have to wear it anymore. Just outgrow it. Right? No. We don't need to be Cinderella. Okay? <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to close this out. So we're going to do a group repentance party over this thing. Um, I just want you guys, just like we do it uh, every other time, open up your hands like you're receiving a gift from God. Look up to Dad because he's good. I'm going to pray. All you've got to do is at the end of it, you just say amen, and it's done. And, uh, you know, we'll keep it going, and we'll we'll keep moving together as a family. 
so dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus and we recognize and take responsibility for passivity in our lives and in our generations. We repent, renounce, and remove it. We no longer want to be passive. We no longer want ungodly order to rule our homes um, or infect our families. We want to be full of thanksgiving and be people of action, people of your word. And the word says not to just be a hearer, but to be a doer. So we come before you right now asking for grace. That divine empowerment on the human heart and the reflection of it in our lives. That your grace would empower us out of this passivity. We thank you for baby steps. No matter how small the step, we ask that you show us where to step and when so that we can take it. These failures that we've gone through, they're just stepping stones to greatness. And so that's what we're going to see them as from now on, as stepping stones to greatness. Mm-hmm. Not, not failures and not fallbacks. We just learned how to not do it. And we're going to learn how to do it better with you and succeed. Um, and so we just repent of all the fear that's come with passivity, all the self-pity that's come with passivity, rejection and resentment and bitterness that's come with passivity. We no longer want to be out of humor or joyless. Mm-hmm. We no longer want peace without joy. We no longer want false peace. We want true peace and we want true joy. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I love that because that's your kingdom. uh, Your kingdom always produces righteousness. And that is defined in the New Testament as the state in which a man ought to be. It produces peace and it produces joy in us. That is the kingdom of God in us. And so we just come before you and we declare that over our lives. We thank you so much that you are the righteousness, peace, and joy. That your spirit is the righteousness, peace, and joy. That your son is righteousness, peace, and joy. And we thank you that we don't have to be passive anymore. We give you all the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.